0: Hello and welcome back to Caskheads. Due to an unfortunate case of me catching COVID, uh, (laughs) we had to take a slight break, if for no other reason than I lost my voice for over a week, which, although it was novel, was a bit of a problem recording.
1: And he gave it to Daddy.
0: I gave it to Dad <laughs> and I gave it to Mum. Luke has avoided it. However, he is also isolating. He's he's still staying away from us, so it's to protect him. But in the meantime, I thought I'd just drag someone else off the street. Um, they turned me down and actually turned out to be quite apt at self defence. So in the end, I went with Dad,
1: who's now getting over the COVID. Thank you very much, John. Very true. <laughs> very kind of you. But you are welcome. Oh, that's all right. At least you love me. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Today we're talking about the Isle of Jorah distillery, which Luke is missing out on because he he gave me the okay to do this one. Um, he was looking forward to it. He was on the edge of his seat. He, he'd really been doing his homework. He, oh, wow. You'd, you'd be amazed how much more prepared he was for this one episode. Unfortunately, he just can't make it. Um, in fact, he probably knows more about Jorah than the people who work there do. Um, and, and certainly more than the person who founded it would do. It. Anyway. <coughs> <laughs>
1: I bet there was just to here that Oh <laughs> yeah Luke
0: you're, you're fountain of knowledge It's a real shame He isn't here today You know what, what Luke doesn't know About whiskey Isn't worth knowing Right mm. Well Jorah Funnily enough Located on the Isle of Jorah Which is on the west coast Of Scotland Actually not too far From Isla, Which is another island I know we've talked about So far So some interesting facts About the island First of all the place is famous for the fact that the population of people is outnumbered by deer by something like 25 to 1. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of deer on the Isle of expensive. Uh, It boasts wonderful scenes to take in, and is apparently close enough to the Isle of Islay that you can actually swim between the two when the tides are right. However, given the rate of flow I've seen around the Scottish islands, I'm going to give that one a miss, because I don't think I'd get the timing quite right, especially if it was only for the sake of a couple of bottles of whiskey. Hmm. I'd probably just take the ferry, so the Jorah Distillery, or history about the Jorah Distillery, it dates back to 1810. Mm which That's is quite 10 a long past six. time ago. N- no, it's actually quarter past six we're <laughs> recording this. Do you know what? That was almost worth a joke. But it's, it's 6.14, I'm sorry. Ah, oh dear. Yes, it dates back to 1810 when the first licence was taken out for it. However, I will remind you that not only would there have been illegal distilling going on before this, but almost certainly it would have continued long after. Um, particularly with the islands, there are so many remote places you could get away with this distilling without the excise people knowing about it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and certainly, I mean, in, in general, the islands were no, di- no strangers to illicit distillation, given the remoteness. And uh, to be fair, with the proximity of Jura to Isla, and considering the number of um, illicit stills going on on Isla. I'd be amazed if Jorah didn't also have a similar situation, particularly when you think of just how um, remote some of the, the locations are on the island. Now it's important to note that the distillery we see today is not the original building, which was dismantled back in 1901, which is not so long ago, but still quite long ago. I mean, over a hundred years ago, now, so, you
1: know.
0: <laughs> Um, It was not until 1960, which... I think you'd have been
1: around for that. I would have been around, then. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: We Wee little whippersnapper.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The new building... uh, Yeah, it was not until 1960 that the new building uh, would be extended and rebuilt by William Delm Evans, which, um, before being purchased by... Charles McKinley and co William Delm Evans is actually quite a famous, or was actually quite a famous architect in the whiskey industry not as well known as Charles Doig, who had a lot to do with the um, pagoda roof designers we've talked before, but Delm Evans he was very very instrumental in the post-war Kind of boom of things, and it turns out that he actually was unable, for medical reasons, to uh, join up in in the war, and ended up retraining as an architect. Um, most famously, he founded Tullibardine Distillery back in 1949, before moving on to Jura, which he began designing back in 1958. And it wasn't until sixty-three that the first distillations would actually take place at the distillery, so it's quite a long project. After Jorah, he then went on to Glen Allerky distillery, which I know we've talked about and I'm sure you've listened oh, to yes, that episode. Yes, yes. And he also had a lot to do with Macduff Distillery as well. McDuff. which does the Devron whiskey. So yeah, he he actually had a large part to play with a lot of distilleries and he's quite an overlooked figure. But we are talking about Jorah in particular. Now, one of the reasons why um, Jura Distillery came to be how it is, is because there was an increasing amount of uh, depopulation on the island, actually, and in an effort to keep some kind of job retention and encourage people to stay on the island, um, there was a project put forward to actually rebuild the distillery at uh, one stage it looked like the population on the island would not be sustainable. Now, it's also worth mentioning with, with the Jorah distillery that because uh, Delm Evans lived in Herefordshire, um, to cut down the commute to Jorah, which is quite a long trip when you think about it by car, because you'd have to drive all the way up and, and then you'd have to have ferries across. Yeah. I think I think it's one... It's, it's, it's about three ferries at least, maybe even four. Um, so quite a, quite a journey. He actually had a... Um, he constructed a small airstrip on the island. Um, he also learned to fly and purchased a Cessna 172, hmm. which is a small aircraft. <laughs> I um, so, I mean, you've got to really kind of admire the guy for c- committing to it. Probably could have been a, a more local architect that could have done this, but no, he he was certainly the person for the job. Uh, God knows how much it would cost him fuel these days.
1: Well, it must be worth a bit of a he bought a Cessna 172, they're not cheap, are they? Well, you know... in an airplane... He-
0: He founded a distillery, sold it, um, Mm. was contracted for another distillery. So I don't think he had a bit of money in the back pocket, maybe. Mm. You know, unless it was one of those kind of. Maybe it was one of those magazine ones where you, you, each month you you got a piece.
1: Oh, and yes, your dad you got it, it that way. Because yeah. if he's an architect, yeah. he'd be quite good at things. Like would that. yeah 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 well, yeah. Very expensive way to do it. It know? is. I've seen these things before. You get a little bit every month, and by the yeah. time you've done, you've paid a fortune for it.
0: Yes. Well, enough said on that one. No. Yeah. Subsequently, in 1979, two new stills were added. Uh, as well as six stainless steel washbacks and a new mash tun in order to uh, increase capacity because the demand even back then was growing for Jorah whisky. Today Jorah Distillery is owned by White and Mackay who purchased it in 1993. White and Mackay purchased Invergordon Distillers who owned Jorah Distillery so they got the distillery in it. White and Mackay are also known for their alongside their namesake blend they are known for Jorah, Dalmore, Fettercairn and Tamnavulin distilleries, which you know all about, oh, I'm sure. It. Yes, I do, yes, oh, yes I'm quite familiar with them, yeah. Which yeah. one's your favourite?
1: Uh, it's hard to say really, I
0: like them all. Mm, that's a good mm. answer, that it depends mm. what military yeah, is. Yes. 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 Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, just some days you might want something heavier, and other days that's you might right. want something lighter. lighter yeah. So, so something, for instance, something if you wanted, medium, yeah. if you wanted something lighter, which which, which ones are the Well, that at, at least again
1: for? his personal taste, not <laughs> <it?
0: laughs> So back in nineteen ninety-five, given the poor cask management that had been going on at the distillery under the previous owners, Whitey Mackay actually undertook a large scale recasking of all the maturing stocks, which is actually a pretty serious thing to do because not only are you thinking about whiskey or well spirit you're producing, you have to find the casks for stuff you already have in your warehouses, organize it into sections where you, you judge the quality, because not all of it would have been bad, but some of it had been overlooked and some of it would be very good. And you have to basically take the time to pour it out into a different cask and then make sure it's maturing the way you want. So it it was a lot of effort but it paid off in the end. As always whiskey is a very heavy and intense investment there's always money being sunk into it you see a lot of people when you you see the bottle you think oh you know 12 years it's not that long or whatever but you've got to think of the work that's gone into it for those 12 years like I say it's not like you forget about it you have to be constantly keeping attention paying attention to those casks because uh, they're very needy. Casks are, yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely younger childs like Luke. When Richard Patterson became involved in the recasking of Jorah's maturing stocks, he made the decision to move um, to fresh ex-bourbon barrels, which are uh, brand new, well, fresh American oak which only had only held bourbon in it beforehand and this is particularly for the uh, the buttery floral notes that the barrels can lead towards the uh, spirit maturing, because Jorah is a style actually, and this stems back to um, del Evans's introduction and design of the distillery. He wanted it to be far more like a Highland whisky than that of the actual nearby island of Islay. He wanted it to be different because there's no point just having an Islay whisky on the island next door. Why, why would you want that? So he particularly wanted this different style um, which would be affected by the different climate where it's matured. And one of the big reasons for this is actually because of the wonderful tall elegant stills that they have at Dior. It's a very good way to it this lighter spirit. You get a lot more copper reflux going on and that's what gives you that nice kind of side to it and when Richard Patterson was trying it he said that um, some of the cask samples were were inferior but when Jorah was done well it was seriously good it was spectacular whisky and it still is today Richard Patterson, who I know we've talked about, is known as the nose in the industry because he is regarded as having the best nose in the industry for mm. picking up aromas. And actually, if you get to read his book, Goodness Knows," <laughs> it's actually a really interesting read about the history of whiskey. I was having a flick through again uh, recently, and I mean, he's spanning from the whole time of when his father was a, a whiskey broker all the way up until he's the head of White stocks. He's got so much uh, history to the to the industry in general and he's f- so many like random facts that you just never even heard of half the time now one of the biggest changes most people think of today when we when we're talking about Jura is the new range which was released back in 2018 so only, uh, only a few years ago but it's still a lot of people of very much nostalgic for the older range of, of whiskies they used to do and it's it certainly has divided opinions um the thing is, the old range, they used to do unpeated, so there was no smoke in there at all, no peatiness. Uh, they did lightly peated, so uh, Jura Superstition, which was one of the most popular whiskies they did, actually. And they did heavily peated as well. Um, and then they had different ages as well. We had these three very contrasting styles coming from the distillery, and a lot of people liked it because when, when it was unpeated, you had that lovely light kind of buttery side, like I was saying, and then you had these different varying degrees to, to build up on. And, and so there was usually a whiskey to appeal to most people. Um, however in 2018 they actually kind of like scrapped that range in favor of what we see today and all the whiskies from Jura are lightly petered a little bit less than superstition but not by much it's very similar um and now the difference comes down to quite often the age and also the casks they've used. The reason, I think the reason why they did it was to kind of bring this conformity to, to the range, to give you this consistency so you knew what you were getting every time. There's, you have the base drawer of spirit and then they showcase what they can do with it, which arguably they, they were doing before, but I think they just wanted to have this one definitive point to work from.
1: Well, they could have repeated, couldn't they? <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> Sorry. Oh,
0: that's bad. Sorry.
1: Sorry.
0: <laughs> so the thing is, like I say, they always use first fill American oak casks, as was introduced with the recasking, um, and then they go down to the finishing sections where they use lots of sherry casks as well as different wine casks as well, actually, in the range. Now, the core range from the distillery includes beginning with Journey, which is entirely matured in ex-bourbon casks. This is a seriously light kind of vanillary whiskey with... A, a, I always think of it as a little bit of a honeyness, which I find with a lot of the Jorah spirit, it has that sweetness to it. Um, and also a, a lovely kind of floral note. The 10-year-old is basically a lot like Journey, but it's then further matured in Oloroso Sherry Cask from Jerez, which, um, as you know, is, is a part of Spain. Oh, oh yes, yes, you. Are you also familiar with the Golden Triangle?
1: Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'll have listened to that. <coughs> oh, yes. In fact, that episode, the Golden Triangle, I think was the whis- episode we talked about Dalmore, which is another one of Wight and McKay's whiskies. Mm, mm. So you'll, you'll be well upon oh, well, it, actually. well upon
1: it. actually, yes, yeah. Mm, mm.
0: Um, yeah, this whiskey takes on slightly richer notes than Journey without leaning too heavily into the rich sherry cask side of whiskies. The 12-year-old is, um, well, it's two years older for a start.
1: Mm, right. you, can probably, you might wear that one. Yeah, I've got a yeah, yeah, 12 it. away from... 12 from t- well, 10 away from 12, two, rather.
0: Two, two. Two. So it's two years older. Mm-hmm. The 12-year-old is also finished in all or also a sherry cask, but with a far greater kind of ratio in its favour. It is a really nice kind of step up. You're still getting that vanillary sweetness and a little bit of the floral notes, but it's a lot richer. I really tend to like the 12-year-old when it starts to get colder weather kind of thing. I think it's a great one for that. Next you have Sevenwood. Uh, can you guess how many casks goes into Sevenwood?
1: I would say uh, probably seven. Yeah? You are wrong. Oh.
0: <laughs> now after maturing it in the ex-bourbon casks Which is how they all begin life uh, It's transferred into six different varieties of virgin oak mm-hmm. Which is brand new casks that were held in whiskey before as you well know mm-hmm. um, All from different regions in France And you get this lovely balance of variety flavours I always find there's a lovely bit more spice to the background uh, Really is a nice oaky kind of side
1: Mm-hmm
0: and nosing the bottle, I, I always do think a little bit of like fresh cut wood, actually. Um, so yeah, turns out the worst seven casks in seven wood, but uh, good to keep keep you on the toes. sometimes, oh, yes, you know yes. what I mean?
1: Mm, 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 mm.
0: Next we have the eighteen year old, which is eighteen year old. Well done. Mm. Now I'm just going to glance over the eighteen, because that's the one we're actually trying today. Um, followed up by the twenty one year old, which is
1: uh, a bit older than the <laughs> one.
0: That's <laughs> without a drop of whiskey. <laughs>
1: we were three years older, yeah. No, I was thinking it was, uh, yes, it was 12. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we. would three years older than, the 18, older than so. the
0: 18. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm-hmm. But also, 21 is quite opposite to 12. Think about it. Mm. <laughs> um, the 21 year old is actually finished in Virgin American White Oak, um, but. You see, the, the thing is, they haven't done it for too long to still give it the balance because after 21 years you don't want to overwhelm the spirit. It's, it's actually very fruity if you get a chance to try the 21, uh, and I also think it's a little bit nutty. bit like, um, it's similar to, although it's, it's older than, I always think it's a bit similar to things like Knock and Do, I always find they have a similar kind of side to things. I should also mention that they recently added a brand new uh, one to the range which is the 14-year-old and that is finished in um, rye casks which is another American whiskey style and that's a lot spicier because you've got the rye whiskey influence as well as several limited releases which are available to the uh, travel retail or duty-free so if you're in airports you will quite often see a Jora that you cannot get in normal shops. But we are talking about the eighteen-year-old today, which we discussed was eighteen years. Old. Well done. Mm-hmm always got to make a good cork noise otherwise we have to redo it yeah Mm. so the 18 year old is matured in american oak barrels first as we were discussing before being finished in ex-bordeaux red wine barriques as you can imagine ex-bordeaux red wine is funnily enough uh, quite a fruity wine so it really does come across nicely now i mean looking at the color it's quite quite a dark side to it and it's almost I'd say it's amber if I was if I was to watch yes, Jurassic I, Park yeah, and would, see a yes. mosquito in there I'd say yes that's yeah, amber
1: yeah I would as well yeah. you know what I mean I do <clears throat> mm, definitely and that just shows you how
0: much cask influence has really gone into this but I mean after 18 years there's a lot of wood influence is going to have an effect on the spirit yes Nose I've no, it
1: it nosed it it smells rather strong any particular flavours you're thinking of mm, I'm sure you can call it something we've in there? Seem if I
0: can just get Luke on for it. So- <laughs> Luke, you're on loudspeaker and this is Caskettes. Oh, no! This is our first phone-in episode. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm loudspeaker. Yeah. yeah.
0: <coughs> <laughs> you're now live. So, oh, okay. there's me and Dad in the room. We're, we're nosing your 18-year-old. We're, we're, we're nosing
1: the 18-year-old, yes. Yeah.
0: And I know you haven't All got right. a sample, but I just yeah. wanted to say, what do you think you'd be able to pick up if you were nosing it right now?
1: Uh, wait, hold it to the phone.
0: Hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah. The phone's facing the microphone and I'm holding the whiskey to the phone. What do you think? OK,
1: wait. Sherry?
0: Um, there it is, folks. We, we, even when well Luke's nosed. not here, we, well got, we got the sherry. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he knows, you know. <laughs> is it correct? <laughs> Uh, no, actually, because this uses brand new American oak and um, Bordeaux wine barrels. So, uh, unfortunately, okay, not. Wait,
1: let, let me have another smell. And...
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on, uh, hang on. Oh, I know why. Hang on, that's my fault. I left a little bit of pocket lint on the bottom of
1: the phone. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There nice. we Right. So I there clean. we go. Okay. Um. Oh, it smells uh, the smells like alcohol. I'll give you that one. You've got a very keen nose. Yeah, they they call me the Sniffer. Do they really? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how this is going to sound I think on the mic. gloss
1: that one over, pal. <laughs> 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 All right. Is that everything you need to I, I think, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll let you go, Luke. You I'll, I'll catch up in, in a there, bit. <laughs> All right.
0: Bye. I'll give you a ring a bit later on, Luke. See you. <coughs> okay. Bye. 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 So there we have it. Even when Luke's isolating, we can still get his official take on yeah. things.
1: So did you pick up any uh, interesting notes? Well, obviously, yes. A little bit of sherry there, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. Uses American American Red Wine Brewing. So where's the sherry coming in?
1: Well, I don't know you said you smelled to sherry. <laughs>
0: That's just an ongoing joke, as you well know, because you've, you well you've listened to all our episodes. Okay,
1: yes, I have. Yes, I haven't listened to yet.
0: I mean, not on the nose. I you allowed
1: to taste this, number what? Yeah, I by all means.
0: Mm. It's a lovely bit of fruit. Um, certainly, I would, I think it's kind of like down the berry side, a little bit raspberry, maybe. Oh, that's keep that is, mate. Well, it's bottled at 44%, so you know. It's more than your Listerine almost almost caramelly sweetness to it it's, it's kind of like tomatin in that way but obviously with the smokiness in the background now you see on the taste, like you say, 44% it does come through but when you're dealing with 18 year old whiskey plus you want that bit more alcohol to carry through otherwise you can dilute too, mo- too many mm. of the flavours I mean there's a, a lot going on in there there really is you get that nice bit of oakiness just on the finish alongside the smoke but there's at the start there's a very gentle kind of still vanilla side to it and I do agree it, it is far more like a highland in many ways than, than uh, particularly like the Isla whiskies. Um, and, and even things like Talisker from Sky I would say is, is heavier than Jorah in a lot of ways and he uh, oh we should do Luke's next favourite section what's that? five facts five things you've learned in this episode
1: five things I've learned. right I will turn off the notes You can't cheat,
0: because well, no cheat's on
1: the time. about the Golden Triangle, which I was very impressed with. But about. you knew about that already, oh, obviously. Yes, 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 because he used to play in the Philharmonic Orchestra in uh, the Royal Laboratory. He <laughs> was very excellent on it. Uh, the other thing I've learnt is... Um, all the different uh, ways they put the uh, different flavoured berry, you know, different barrels that have been brewed like with uh, sherry or... But you already knew about that. Already actually. knew all about that, yes, but I'm just, re- re- you know, for those... The- seasoning the casks. But, yeah, seasoning the casks for those that haven't heard those mm-hmm. episodes before. Uh, and obviously the peat, all the different peats and... Um, yes, that's true, and yes. And the medium peat. But you knew about that as I well. I knew about it <clears> as well, yes. <throat> mm-hmm. And... Um, um, you got two left? Two left. Uh, at least one I thought he jumped at. I was the architect guy, or oh, with the aeroplane. That would be the aeroplane, there the we, aeroplane. we go, I'll let you have that. Yeah. Uh, so that's four. It's like being back in school, isn't it? It is, yeah is, What have I learned, what have I learned? Oh dear, oh dear. Oh, definitely, well, yes, you've got the 10 year old, the 12 year old, the 18 year old, and the 21 year old. Uh, and the seven wood? The seven and what? journey, yeah, yes, Somewhat, yes. And the fourteen-year-old,
0: fourteen. Oh, me. And then there was a travel retail exclusive one. Oh yes, that you, you get, yes, that you get in the uh, duty free. Well, you sc- you scrape through, but I'll tell you what, I can see the skin of your knees. Y- yes,
1: Mm-mm-mm-mm. yeah, mm. <sighs> sweating here, mate.
0: <laughs> well, this has been Caskheads. I'm sorry we're late again. Um, Covid got in the way. Being serious, it's. Yes. Um, but it wasn't really a, a joke. I can laugh about it, but it wasn't really very funny. This has been Cascades. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. It really does help us and, more importantly, may lead to others discovering the show. I'd also like to thank Adrian and Alison Murray of the Weedram Whiskey Shop in Bakewell. They have a great range of whiskies, all of which that we've talked about, I believe, are available for sale in the shop. And they really are very knowledgeable, great people. You can visit their website www.weedram.co.uk. And as always, I will leave you this one editing goof. Goodbye.
1: Huh. Goodbye. So he was flying over a dark and misty night. Ba-ba-ba-ba. The weather conditions were not ideal. One of the things on the front of the plane was doing something. I don't know anything about planes, but like a dial was moving. And then, all of a sudden, a thud something lands on the plane what could that be you can't look because there's no windows that look at the ceiling of a plane but then a panel's torn up the air pressure goes out the window luckily he's in a lock cabin so nothing's damaged but like the seat dramatically flies out but it lands safely on the ground and it doesn't hurt anyone the cast whisper swings in and he blocks it with like i don't know another chair and it blocks it perfectly but the previous chair didn't and then he goes to the cockpit, kicks down the door and he says sorry, I
0: just had to drop by <laughs> so who's
1: flying the plane? <laughs> uh, the
0: guy oh William Del Evans, right
1: yeah, he's in the cockpit, yeah sorry, so I, I, I thought at first
0: the, the Cask Whisperer was I thought at first the Cask Whisperer was flying the plane and someone was the Cask s-
1: Whisperer jumps out of the plane as the plane descends because no one's driving it he lands back into his own glade. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I thought you meant the class were flying the plane and someone um, was attacking him.
1: He kicks down the door and he says, I guess you could say your flight's been cancelled. Oh!
0: I'm sorry you didn't you check say, your bags.
1: Oh, nice. I guess you could say it's flight or flight.
0: Some, looks like somebody didn't clear security.
1: Ooh. Wait, he kicks down the door and he goes, looks like someone has over 50 milliliters of liquid. <laughs> It's a cask, yeah. (laughs) I guess you need to go to unclaimed.
0: (laughs) I think that'll do.